walking here. Manadeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to face2facegames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall here with Magic the Gathering Hall of Famers V. Moshowitz for another episode of Top 8 Magic, and we've got deck lists. Favorite part of every tournament, get the sweet, <laughs> sweet deck lists. So, uh, the World Championship is going on this weekend. Um, 16 players sort of pulled together over the course of the year through winning tournaments, um, and then also through sort of just sustained excellence over the course of the year, um, lands these, these players to, to compete for, you know, big money. This is a ridiculously hard tournament to get to. If you don't spike one of the major events, there's a handful of the slots left for everybody else. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. So, uh, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about where we've left things in standard because we haven't really looked at standard for a while, right? Like, yeah, I, the last time I played standard was the qualifier for the next Mythic Championship after this, which was at the tail end of a standard format that I had spent about a month being grateful I didn't have to play again because it was so click heavy and we played the decks so to death by that point. You know, if you have to play against another cat deck, like, even on online, right. one more time in a row, just, like, you want to guide your, gouge your eyes out so, and just say, you know, that's enough. Like, can we have something else? So pre, pre-Theros Beyond Death, the big players were uh, Fires of Invention, cats of some flavor, mostly Jun Sacrifice, I think, being the top one. That's right. Um, there was still always, like, a Mono Red or a Gruel Aggro deck. Like there, there'll always be Gruel uh, slash Mono Red. You know, there'll always be some people trying a variety of other stuff. You know, there was Control Decks will always keep trying, no matter how bad the cards they're given are, because when people forget about them, they have that advantage. So they'll always creep back in. Uh, you know, occasionally you find people... I faced a Doom deck, Doom Foretold deck, in the, uh, in the qualifier. Yeah. For example, I was playing Five Color Niv right to the end, because I had the most fun with it. And it seemed pretty competitive. Uh, but, you know, the metagame keeps developing. Blue-green, uh, the Simic Flash deck was oh, yeah. probably the number one thing near sure. the end. The blue-red Flash deck was still there. Um, and so we, we had variety. We had a bunch of different stuff. It was more that, you know, we've been through three band cycles with the same cards. And even though the worst things, like Oko, are gone. Right. Yeah. Big cards that we, we expect to make a splash in standard. And again, I know these cards have been being played in standard, but there hasn't been a big event with standard. And you know, and, and the top players in the game sort of unleashed on the format um, since Th- uh, Theros Beyond Death came in. And, and if you look at the, the decks here... There are a few big themes. I mean, there's only five different decks. Right. There's only 16 players. That doesn't necessarily mean there are five viable decks in standard. It means that with 16 players, many of whom tested with each other, so there's right. only like 10 or so separate decisions being made in some important sense, that they reach the conclusions of playing these dominant decks. But the thing that strikes at me more than anything is we've seen all five of these decks before. Right. There's not there's not there's not a new archetype in the field. So let's talk about that. So the field, uh, we have four players playing Team of Reclamation. Uh, so that's Autumn Burchett, uh, Chris Kvartek, um, John Emanuel Dupra and uh, Leverano. Yeah and this this deck is a deck that has been tried over and over again and people keep thinking they've found the innovation that makes it good enough. How about a six six? <laughs> They may have found it this time. I remember when Autumn Burchett, you know, with two days left, I was working with Autumn, and Autumn says with like two days to go, oh, we're going to use Unlikely Alliance. Uh, And then then Autumn thought they may have broken it. And then, turns out, obviously, that did not happen. Right. But, you know, this deck is always tempting because it's such such raw power. The problem is always, how do you play a normal game if this doesn't come together for you? 
that supplements the amazing thing you're trying to do. And, like, Autumn's deck was in particular, I think we'll see, like, you know, this is an attempt to play that normal game again. Right. Uru right. Titan of Nature's Wrath, obviously being the big, big addition, literally and dramatically. Yeah, I mean, I had to think about, like, a lot of the cards in my top ten for my set review, and I did not think about Uro being number one. It's a card that costs one G-U, three letters, two vowels, <laughs> legendary creature, you know... What what do you have to what questions are you even asking here? Like obviously this is the card. <laughs> um, so then we have four players on mono red. Yeah, I, I think and, the, and that's and I think uh, that the, the the card we want to pay attention to here is Anax. Right, and so just to, just to give you the players, that's Andrea Mangucci, Eli Loveman, Sebastian Pazzo, and of course Seth Manfield, uh, former world champion. Yeah, so uh, I believe a second repeat an world champion. An interesting combination of. The players who are willing to suck it up and play Mono Red, and the players who just like this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know who you think is the person. I mean, Seth, when he first came back to Magic and was doing well, and I mean, he's had a lot of success with Mono Red in his career. Oh, sure. He is. He has definitely burnt people out from, you know, wherever they were at for as long as he's been successful on the Pro Tour. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is just his dedication to I'm going to do what I have to do. Yeah, oh, because yeah. you know players of Seth's caliber have this natural tendency to say, "Well, I don't, I don't want to make that few decisions. I don't want to put the game in my opponent's hand the way that these decks tend to do." Right? Because you know, the whole like we talked about Paolo doing the same thing, and Paolo is not in this group in this case. Paolo is on Azorius, but the idea of I am going to say, I'm going to build my deck correctly, I'm going to put you to a very difficult problem, I don't think you can answer it that often, even though you're one of the best players in the world. Right. And these, but these lists, like, you know, it almost wins most improved in an important sense. I thought Mono Red wasn't there before. But Anax is a pretty amazing card that these decks now An have. Anax hardened in the Forge, 1RR, yeah, this is, this is the big card. It gets really nice with Embercleave. And with Torben. Right. Torben gives you three more pips. So already you're at five <laughs> and he'll attack for seven on the fourth turn right. with that one creature alone. You Attacks know, for 18 with an ember cleave there. If it dies, it usually <laughs> leaves behind two or creatures. Yeah. You know, you're, if they sweep the board, they often are dealing with four or five satyrs. It changes how you have to play against the deck. I'm really tired of Red just getting these amazing three drops all the time. Red's creatures aren't supposed to be this good. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? You know, get on it. Um... But to me, that's the key card that turns it over. And then there's significant disagreement over how much you even want to be spelling. And as usual, my opinion is you don't. <laughs> right? My opinion is spells are terrible. Why are you playing these spells? Like, what is Shock even supposed to kill? I am so confused right now. But you'll... But uh, Bonecrusher Giant, fine by you. Oh, Bonecrusher Giant's a creature. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Bonecrusher Giant's great. Because, again, you have a two-way thing. But you look at these lists, right? Like, I... I want to be very streamlined. I want to do exactly the thing that I'm trying to do. And I want to be a very good Ember Cleave deck. I am, you know, one of the questions is, do you have three Ember Cleaves or do you have four Ember Cleaves? And of course my answer is, if you ever register three Ember Cleaves in a deck, <laughs> you probably are off by one card. <laughs> <laughs> um, next uh, archetype. Uh, so the first three archetypes are all 25% of the field. Obviously very small field, four players each. Jeskai Fires, a deck you know very well. Uh, Gabriel Nassif, the Hall of Famer. Javier Dominguez, uh, also looking to be one of only the second repeat world champion in the history of the game. Uh, Marcio Carvalho, uh, which is interesting because Marcio is really a guy you think of more uh, as playing those aggro decks, you know, like, you know, the um, Mardu vehicles and like a, a mono red deck and, and those kind of decks. But he's, he's going, gone here with the Jessica Fires deck and Raphael Levy, the Hall of Famer. Uh, along with Nassif in this tier. Yeah, Levy's like, been playing this for a while, but you know, to get Nassif on this deck, it means something very interesting is happening. It's is very much not a Nassif deck. Is there anything new in this deck? There is. Uh, so, there's first of all, the philosophical approach of just going up to three Kenrefs, which pretty much everyone has decided to do. As things have become more just fluid and you need to just start dropping haymakers on your opponents and so on, like, Kenref is an amazing card, the legend risk is real, but everyone has now completely remembered that there are no noxious grasps in the format anymore. <laughs> and that you can just play this card, and this card is super powerful. 
Uh, but the other, you know, much more really new new thing is Dream Trawler. So Dream Trawler gives you like a six drop because before it's not that you never wanted a six drop in your deck, right? You often would play the land, the sixth land. You you certainly would need need to make sure you hit five on five, and so you would hit six on six pretty often. And you'd like to have haymakers. You'd like to have cards come in the game on their own, even beyond what you have. And now we have a card that actually does that. Plus, you can draw a lot of cards with this deck. It's not just that the attacks for five and a card. It's that you Cavalier of Flame, you discard your entire hand. It gets bigger. You Cavalier of Gales, it gets plus three. You can oh, haste wow. it out, right, with Kenrith to hit immediately for the, for the effect. That, that last card or two in your hand is usually not doing much. You can discard a bunch of lands to get the Cavalier of Flame that much bigger right before it's going to die. You have a lot of things going on here. I really like this idea. Uh, it does create more sort of a crunch in the deck's count because it's very important to have two fives, like two, four or five things on turn four, on turn five. After you, you want, it's very important. Like the, the mix of foresight is still there, right? That innovation has been retained. It's really, really important that you use all of your plays well. Right. So you play on turn four, you play fires into thing. On turn five, you play thing and thing. And then on turn six, you can play your dream trawler. And now we have three Ken Riffs to make sure that Dream Trawler can hit immediately, get Slay Flank, get started. You don't get the card draw from the initial, you know, the start of the turn, but you get the card back immediately and you're off to the races. And it gives you a much more plausible route to just winning games without fires and invention. I, I, I'm not going to be happy, by the way, until we get to late stage standard, you know, the end of days of standard, and somebody somehow gets an Ember Cleave on a Dream Trawler. It That's, will happen. <laughs> this is what I want. Okay. Um, so that's the last of the four people playing decks. The, the next deck is 19% uh, of the field, which means three people are playing it. It's Azorius Control. Uh, that's Andre Strasky, Paolo Vitor Damodorosa, who has put himself into, you know, the god tier of the game. You know, it is now Kai, John, and Paolo, right? That's your debate. I mean, it's not even like he's third, right? He's like, is Paolo better, right? Like, I mean... He is right there with those guys, and you have to, you you at least have to entertain the argument about it. And we know he was testing for this really hard because he brought Niv to Light to Brussels, right? And he admitted that he just sort of picked up Niv to Light because he was too busy preparing for this tournament. And you see a, a deck list with a lot of choices, and I have to assume, right? And Mythic Champion. There are very good reasons for this. Mythic Champion, uh, Thoral Severin. Uh, rounds out the, that tier of Azorius Control players. Shatter the Sky, the big new card in, in this archetype? It's one of two, I would say, big new cards in this archetype. Certainly the most important. I mean, there's more than two. So, Elspeth oh, Conqueror's Death is all over these lists. Okay. Omen of the Sea is all over these lists. Right. The Burr from Miletus is often in these lists. Uh, but Dream Trawler is their kill spell. Okay. We're okay. talking about Dream Trawler. It's an amazing nice. creature. Um, and Archon of Sun's Grace is making an appearance in some of these lists as well. Yeah, I saw, I saw this one. They had one. Um, and then the last archetype, only one player playing it, uh, Piotr Golgowski, uh, John Sacrifice, also, uh, you know, a deck that has treated him pretty well. Yeah, this feel, well, like, looking at the list, you know, there's a little spice in, in a bunch of, some of the cards. Uh, Agonizing Remorse is the big new card Ooh. in the list. It lets you play a discard spell... With no regrets, right? Because, as we know, agonizing remorse is what the designers will feel and what the opponent will feel, not what you will feel. But looking at the list, it definitely feels like Piotr says, you know what? I just keep winning with this. Right. I keep beating the best players in the world with this list. It's an amazing set of cards. Why am I going to mess with success? I know this thing inside and out. I'm just going to go with it. All right, so let's get into let's get into the decks. And, yeah, and, and like you know, sort of player by right. player. I also, and, I, I also just want to note he popularized inverter right yes. right before Brussels, and deck lists were due at the same time. He is the Demir inventor, as they right. Said so on the like coverage. he's decided I'm going to focus on Pioneer right now because mm. he found the the best thing, at right. the, you know, or one of the two best things, or maybe three best things if you count Delirium. And, you know, maybe he decided that, that that was probably because he could do that, because he found the tried and true that he liked, right? And he right. was comfortable with that. All right, so we'll start with Autumn Burchett's Team of Reclamation list. Um, 
And what what are the things that stand out to you here? A couple the, the new cards I mean, we already talked about uh, Uru Titan of Nature's Wrath. Also three Storm Wrath. It's a Wrath. I, I didn't, back. We, we need to talk about Storm's Wrath and Shadow of the Sky as a group, right? Yeah. We need to talk about the fact that four mana rafts were not a thing. And now they're a thing. I mean, we had Kaya's Wrath, but that was really hard to do. Yeah, we, we, specifically, very specific. we specifically forced you to be on Esper and have a horrible mana base to get it. Right. And then that deck kind of dominated Standard for a significant portion of the time that you could plausibly use yeah. it. And now... But we if you get, have someone to go CCDD to cast a card, right. you're, you're kind of at least saying that that's really like a five. Yeah. More than a four. It is. But there were so many games where it's like, well, you have it or you don't. <laughs> right. And now they've given Mono White and Mono Red, you know, not clearly clean Kaya's Wrath style with tiny bonus answers, but four damage to everything, pretty good, right? We were, before, we were playing Flame Sweep. You know how many games someone will play Flame Sweep and then they will copy it using the most important card in their deck and two, using two cards and five mana to do the thing you now get for one card <laughs> And four mana? I mean, but this is actually even better than that because you actually do get to hit Planeswalkers also. And you hit Planeswalkers. That's right. It's not just four damage to all creatures. And with the, with the white-blue decks out there, this is not a dead card. In fact, this is one of your better cards because it can help take care of Teferi if they dare ever draw a card. It can kill Narset, which has to die. Right. Right? You can't draw cards with Narset out. You can't win the game. Right. Not in the standard way. Uh, four Brazen Barrer, also main deck in, in Autumn's List. Uh, they were talking about this card on Twitter yesterday, and they said it's like a Remand that always draws a Vendillion click. That is certainly one way of looking at it. <laughs> I just played four at the most recent tournament. I greatly admire this card. And it always struck me as strange that you were willing to play less than four Brazen Borrowers into Marek. It's like, well, Bonecrusher Giant's a nice card and all, but don't you just lose the Teferi? Like, aren't we go plussing it every time? Shouldn't you be a little bit more careful about this? And then, lo and behold, we finally sort of came around to that. And it doesn't mean that I was right before. Right. Right? But now that is, in fact, how it works. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy to see four Brazen Borrowers in these lists. You know, now we have three Uros. It's very hard, actually, to get the cards into your, your yard quickly with this deck. So... You know, it's not that big a 6-6 six, six upside, right? Because you need five other cards. And you only have like, you only have two people passages in Autumn's List, for example, right? Like, so you're not even doing that level of work. It's more like I just want more growth spirals. I just really, really like having my lands in play. Right. Um, also, this is the card drawiest of any version of Team of Wreck we've seen. You know, you have the Urus to draw cards. Um, you have the Omen of the Sea, whatever. Um, you have the Expansion Explosion, which you can use. You have the Hydroid Crisis. And you have four copies of Thassa's Intervention. So this is like... Yeah, I, I always find it interesting. Things, decisions like only running two ops. Right. And then running two Omen of the Sea. Like, if we're running Uru, right? Where, like, that extra card in the graveyard actually matters. Right. Quite a bit. It's, it's just so anti-intuitive to me that we can't find a way to play four ops, given just how valuable that is and how much we just don't have anything else to do on turn one literally ever other than a tap plant. Right. But Omen of the Sea, scries for four, right? That's also a huge game. So I see the conflict, and I'm not saying I know which one is better, you know, by any means. Right. But... This list looks like the two Hydroid Crisis is interesting, right? That was an option that they've had for a while, and they basically have chosen not to use. But there's a lot more control now, so you want that extra X spell that doesn't run into that problem. Right. It, I mean, it's a card that, like, is in Wilderness Reclamation, but doesn't work for Wilderness Reclamation. Right. right? You can't flash this out. <laughs> right. Right? But Thassa's intervention with Wilderness Reclamation is spectacular. Well, yes. It had the advantages. So now you have... I mean, it's not as spectacular as a spent explosion. You only get two cards from it, right? Like, max. Sure. Enough. But you can find what you need. So I would say, you know, 4,000 intervention seems like a lot to me, but I've never played the card. I had it played once against me, and I was like, okay, so you're saying counter-target spell. And I just moved <laughs> on with my life. It's like, okay, yep. Yeah, wasn't thinking about it. My spell was countered. Um, looking, at the, looking at the sideboard, we see a lot of very normal things. 
you know, Scorching Dragonfire as the go-to removal spell. With this, one in the main. Yes. So, presumably, we don't want to be too hardened by the Forge here, is why we're doing this. Right? We don't want to leave behind any survivors. <laughs> <laughs> and that's important enough that we want to pay two mana for our removal spell. Because that's just, you know, to set up Storm's Wrath, first we've got to kill the Ajax. And then we can twig the board safely. Right. So that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, you know, Negate, Mystical Dispute, Aether Gust, Fry, we've all been there. You know, Fry is your take out the fairy of choice. Um, we have an interesting disagreement between the lists about what the creature in the sideboard is supposed to be. Okay. Autumn has gone with Night Pack Ambusher. Card that has done great work over the last year. If anything, I am skeptical of only two. Mm. In general, it's, first of all, it's one of these four or zero cards because Nightpack Ambusher into Nightpack Ambusher is such a kick in the nuts, right? Because now they're all five fives and you do just beat the entire deck. You, you, your enemy is, the, the rolls are three three, the bases are five five, right? And survive Storm's Wrath, by the way, which can be a big game. But also just, now it's better than your deck. And now with open deck lists, right, I have a problem for you to solve. You know that I'm going to have the ability to actually threaten you with a combination of like three Urus and four Nightback Ambushers and now you have a real problem. But with two Nightback Ambushers, the question is, is this a situation where Autumn's saying, I think you have to put, I, I think I'm putting you to a good game theoretical problem with two. So I don't need more than two or just I need my other cards so much, just so much more that I just got squeezed. Right? And those are, those are all possibilities. So, so looking at Jean-Emmanuel Dupraz's version of the deck, um, he has no Hydroid Crisis. So we're down to... We got Camus inside his back. Right. Four, he's up to four. He's got four Storm Drafts as opposed to three Storm Drafts. Only Wilderness Reclamations as enchantments. No uh, Omen of the Seas. Yep. Four Ops. Right. He's, he, he's on the Ops side of the disagreement, right? Like, yeah. Autumn is split. Here we have a 50-50 division. Right. Only one Thassa's Intervention. Uh, and then, but uh, two Mystical Dispute and a Negate main deck. Yeah, I'm pretty supportive of Mystical Dispute in the main deck if you can find room. I don't necessarily know how, but it just seems like so many of the different strategies right now are, in fact, heavy blue. And it's not like it's the, ter it's not the worst card in the world against red, even. You know, just three mana counter-target spell, unless they, you know, remove three counters from the Steam Kin or something. <laughs> it's the only real way they're ever going to pay. Um, so... We still see the, the same general approach. Um, you know, I'm somewhat skeptical of the Thoughts of Intervention love of just so many copies just because... Right, well, this is only... There's only one copy... Right, which is why I'm saying I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm inclined to like a lot of things going on here in some ways more. There's also one to gate main. It's also saving sideboard space, which is always something I'm inclined to like. Um, you know, it doesn't have the Scorching Dragon Fire in the main, but has all four available in the sideboard. You know, very clearly, like, this deck is what it is, and we can disagree on a few cards, but we all know what we're doing here. Right. And then uh, you talked about creatures in the sideboard being a point of distinction for a lot of these decks. Right. Uh, very different package for Jean-Emmanuel. One Legion Warboss, one Niv-Mizzet, which present each a different problem. Right? If you play the one Legion Warboss, that can just completely take over a game in some matchups where... None of the cards that I have planned to have in my deck actually answer this at all, especially if you're on the play, so Mystical Dispute stops working, even in the scenario where you leave all your mana untapped. And with one, this seems very much like a open deck list play to me, right? This play is like, I thought about how I want this dynamic to work. I'm going to put one in my sideboard, you are going to ignore it, and then when I draw it, the game is going to just go to me because you have no choice but to ignore it. You have to act like it's not there. You can't leave Storm's Wrath in your deck. You can't bring in Scorching Dragonfire, especially in the mirror. I just have one of these. If it happens, you're toast. Now, I think with two, it's pretty much the same situation, except you draw it almost twice as often. But again, there's a lot of demands on your slots. There's a fifth uh, removal spell. There's a Pyrohelix, which, you know, very strong against Mono Red, because it can often take out two one-drops in a meaningful fashion. They're counting on those one-drops to cast Embercleave. Right. So even if they don't do that much damage... We've, we've also talked about that idea of cleaning up after an annex. Also helps clean up after an annex. That's why Scorching Dragonfire has become our thing of choice. You know, we also have the four Storm's Wrath, so it feels like this list is much more respectful in many ways, even without the main deck Scorching Dragonfire, of the threat of that happening, and also just opt 
over Omen of the Sea is more like, we just need to get a move on here. We don't have time to bleed. Uh, I, I'm, I am shocked by how different all of these team of rec lists have turned out. Because, have you looked at Chris Kavartex? Well, Kavartex, so the first two do seem like, to me, philosophically, they're on the same page. Right. right? They, they, Autumn understands what's going on on the other list, right? Like, and vice versa. Chris although, Kavartex... Although there's no... There's no uh, I mean, one of the other big differences in... Oh, no, they both have the Storm's Wrath, yeah. John Emanuel just has more. Yeah. Whereas Kavartek, yeah, Kavartek is off the reservation. <laughs> right? Like, and onto the, into the forest. Yeah. <laughs> With Nyssa. Right. Got the same creature package as Autumn. Um, goes for Omen of the Sea for Wilderness Reclamation. Um, no opts. Forthos's Interventions. Yeah, and Forthos's. So basically, everything's bigger. It's, this is the Texas build. But, but <laughs> yeah, four copies of Nyssa Who Shakes the World. I, I, I don't know. Team Rec hasn't won a, won, done a lot of winning in Standard. You see what's missing? But Nyssa has. But, like, look what's missing from this list. What sweeper? Right. Where's my Storm's Wrath? It's right. not... It, they're in my... No, they're not. Yeah. They're not anywhere. Nope. This list is just all about, I am going to go over the top. I'm not going to stop and mess around. Because you don't want to Storm's Wrath away your own lands. That seems terrible. Right. Because that seems to be the conclusion that's been reached here. And, you know, I admire the... The all-out nature of, I'm just going to play this Nissa's and Wilderness Reclamations such that, you know, I don't need Wilderness Reclamation anymore to bury you, right, is the theory. Right. I can bury you with a Hydroid Crisis a la normal. I can just bury you with Hoth's Intervention off of doubled lands. Looking at the land base, though, like you've got only two Fabled Passage, only two basic forests, and eight duels. Yeah. Right, so there's only... You know, eight duels, two basic land, two lands, and two fetches. So even if you count the old passage 100%, the, major, the, the clear majority of these lands are not forests. Mm. So Nissi is not producing that much extra mana for it's, Kavaratek. It's what? Yeah, it's, te, it's 10 forests. Right, but I mean, you count the passage, assuming it's going to get a sure, forest every sure. time that you don't need something else. Sure, sure. I think you have like 11, 11 and a half forests, <laughs> yeah, basically, okay. in this deck, because like it's a newer fault. Ten and two thirds? <laughs> uh, more than 11, I'd say. Okay. Two, okay. two, two field passages are more than a forest, except there's only two in the deck. So like if you already drew both your forests, you could be unable to get right. one. Uh, there's also one mountain and two islands. But I see a serious problem in this deck with being able to get Nissa to give me the kind of mana I'm hoping it will give me. Right, like you're gonna play Nissa after Wilderness Reclamation, you're only gonna effectively have like one or two extra mana from your from your lands reasonably often, which is still not bad. But like on that turn, you might be behind. I am excited to see this version of the deck play against Mono Red. I'm really curious how that plays out. It seems like this version is very, very open and exposed against Mono Red. Like, you know, because the, the Uru is Uru's actually kind of hard to stick. Like, you can play it the first time, but it feels like getting it to stick on the board is going to be challenging to, to get to enough cards in your, in your graveyard to uh, play this, to play it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's very, very difficult to know how this deck is going to beat Mono Red. I don't think that you go off fast enough to win legitimately. I don't see how you stop yourself from dying. So, you know, I'm... I'm very open to the idea that Storm's Wrath puts this deck in a good spot where it's now a good deck. I don't know what Chris is thinking with no access to Storm's Wrath, right? Like, the four Dragon Dragonfires are in the sideboard, but you can't clean up after the Ajax with nothing to clean up with. Right. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, cl clearly uh, has a, a, a different uh, a different plan for, for that match, or maybe just underestimated how much Agro was going to be uh, in the room. Often there's this problem of players think one level ahead of you, and, and he got to the point where no Timurek's really strong, but not to the point where everyone will know Timurek's really strong and choose to respond to it with Mono Red, which everyone thinks is the natural answer to it, despite Storm's Wrath. Or maybe he doesn't believe in Storm's Wrath. He thinks it's not good enough. Right. And so he's just prepared to fold that and gamble. And by, by the way, but, again, I don't know yeah. if I said this already, no creatures in his sideboard. No creatures and no sweepers in the sideboard. The yeah. sideboard is all just these instant speed interference right. cards. It's all—it's just all like little knobs to tune 
different matchups. I mean, it's Mystical Disputes, Aethergoth's Negate, Scorching Dragonfire, and a Fry. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, I know what all those cards are for, but there's a specific thing they do not do. Right. And there's less cards to take out in those matchups because the Storm Drafts are already missing. Right. So then we look at the last list, right? We look at Matthias 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 Leverado. We've got the four Storm yeah. Got the four Storm Drafts. You know, got three Omens of the Sea and two Ops, which is probably, I, I like that, 3,000 interventions. My guess is three is better than four. Okay. Right. One seems like, you know, I'm willing to believe that's not enough, but... Four Expansion Explosion, obviously. The Gadwick is interesting. Right. One Gadwick, one Niv-Mizzet. Main. Main deck. Uh, four Brazen That's a huge game three against Urus. White Blue. Do you have even one, right, have yeah. access to it? Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, Although it's less of a... I mean, less so now that they have Scattered the Sky, but still pretty big. Yeah. You drop two cards, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst. It's just not what you were necessarily hoping to do, which is end the game. Right. That's all. Yeah. Um, Note, by the way, that he's still, even with uh, Niv-Mizzet, like so many of the scene more than Opt. Right. Right, because, like, Opt is a very, very good friend to... Niv-Mizzet Perun, because it means that, you know, you played on seven, and now you get that double straw immediately, plus whatever they do to get rid of the Niv-Mizzet, and now you've drawn two extra cards minimum. Right. Right, and maybe that's enough to put you over the top. He's going to have a harder time doing that. He just doesn't think that's very important, right? Like, Niv-Mizzet is more of a little bit of spice than I think you would build around. Right. And then uh, Creatures in the Graveyard... Uh, creatures in the sideboard, sorry, uh, two shifting Ceratops. Right. And we've seen different, we've seen three complete, four completely different packages. Right, there's nothing, there's Ceratops, <laughs> there's Ambusher, and then there's a Niv-Mizzet and a Legion War Boss. And it's very exciting. Yeah. Right, to, to see these disagreements. I think they're all sane choices from a first principles perspective. I'm an Ambusher person, I think. I yeah. think I like Autumn's take on that and that question. Right. But we will see. Uh, what's really, really funny to me is you, know, you, you look at a small field tournament like this, you see people sort of coalesced into these clumps around decks, and you assume that they work together. But then you look at these lists... They didn't work together. <laughs> these people did not work together. <laughs> and it's clear... These people are all looking at each other going, what were you thinking? <laughs> right? Like, it's just... Ugh. Yeah, they all, they all show I up, would never. They all show up at the party in the same, uh, you know, basic uh, look. I wanted to be the Flash... Things. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, different yeah. era costumes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so mono red aggro. Let's talk about that. So, so just give me. So let's 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 wrap up though on Team Iraq. Yeah. So you you like you think of the four, uh, which the one you would be most comfortable playing is Autumn's. I like Autumn specifically Nightbug Ambusher uh, approach. I'm not sure I love much of their choices. I think I would take Leverado's lists. Okay. All in, if I had to pick one. I like having the Four of Storms Wrath. I think that's really important. The Gadwick Niv Visit Spice seems nice to me. Right. By the way, worth noting, this is basically the deck he won with. Yeah, I'd, ra I just, I'd rather have the, 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 the creature that's curtains for Hydroid Crasis. The creature that's curtains for the people who you need Hydroid Crasis against, than have two Hydroid Crasises. And Gadwick is just so much more efficient than Hydroid Crasis in terms of drawing cards for a tag like this. And so that's just sort of instinctively where I want to be. I like having five cantrip card draw instead of four. Toss intervention. Three feels like a good number to be at. Yeah, so... I, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. All right. So, mono red. We've got Eli Loveman uh, as the first one up. And uh, he is going... Pretty low to the ground here. Got four Runaway Steam King, four Annex, four Fervent Champion, four Scorch Spitter, four Bone Crusher Giant, three Torbrand, four Robber of the Rich, one Tin Street Dodger. Yeah, you have to look at the curve of any red deck to know what this person's core philosophy is behind a build, right? How many one drops is always the first question I ask. Right. So here the answer is nine. And nine is always like a, a well known number in Magic, right? Nine one drops means. I have a problem if I don't have a one drop. I kind of need to have a one drop. It's not the end of the world necessarily, but I'm you know willing to play the the one off of you know the second string guy, the Tin Street Dodger is you know the guy who wasn't quite supposed to make the team. And then you have the locker room scene where it's like you're in, the coach is putting you in. We need one more guy, and and you know it's not 
there's nothing specially important the Tennessee Chargers are doing, I think, in this build. Right. Like, in old builds, it was really, really important to get through. We're not even playing four light at the stages. But we need one more one drop. Right. And I'm not convinced this is the right extra one drop. Like, I don't think that haste on turn one, getting in for one matters. I don't think the unblockable matters very much, especially given what the other decks are. So, personally, I like your initiate as the third string quarterback <laughs> here, if you got to put somebody in. But... You know, it's a very small mistake either way, right? It's not, like, going to be the big thing that determines it. So this is 28 creatures, uh, three light up the stage, four ember cleave, three shocks, one infuriate, 21 lands. Very low to the ground. You know, you need a lot of one drops. If anything, I think nine one drops for the four ember cleaves is low, right? Because there are a lot of times when just dropping multiple creatures is exactly the thing you need to be doing. When you're going to get stuck at three or four lands most games... You need to have a bunch of attackers to make this Ember Cleave stick, or it's not going to stick. Uh, Robber of the Rich is a card that I've spiked this week, apparently, in, in the Magic Finance world. It has to have been, because suddenly people were playing it. It's a card that I have been mocking <laughs> the entire time, and I have so far been right. <laughs> and something has changed, and I don't know what it is, which is interesting. If you look at the other decks, you're asking yourself, okay, when I rob her of the rich, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of doing this besides a 2-2 haste for two, which on its own is profoundly unexciting because reach isn't going to matter, right? Reach is very, very unimportant to a red deck, you know, regardless of blocking ginger brutes in Pioneer <laughs> occasionally. But, you know, what are we doing? We are casting their spells, hopefully. We're casting their spells. Right. The problem being, you hit a land a lot, it has to be the turn you play it. You know, so you're often, it's super awkward doing this. Like, if they care about not letting you reaccess the card later, they can usually prevent it in one form or another. Sometimes you go second, and it's very hard to get this thing active. But sure, there are two categories of matchups in this field, right? There's other red decks where it's going to be very hard to have a smaller hand on the draw. And there are other decks where their spells are not relevant to your interests very much, right? Like, when you want to peel off of one of these Tamur Rec decks, you actually want to spend meta casting. Right. Right? Like, it's very, very little. If you just, like, look back and say, like, you know, let's take, you know, Leverado's deck, what do I want to hit? Right? Like, I mean, hitting Brazen Borrower, you don't want to exile that. Yeah. Right? And, like, three meta for a three one is... Not something you kind of Actually, want. it adventures on your side. Oh, my adventures, right? It does adventure Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. It's not how I would have assumed it worked, but <laughs> I, I it's agree. never come up for me, right? I've never yeah, had... Yeah. I, I would have called the judge, but... Yeah. You know, it's just not a very efficient thing. I mean, it's good to bounce Wilderness Reclamation with that. So that's, that's one good hit. But, like, I don't want to play Uru. Uro, if I hit him, right? I want to leave Uru alone. Nimitz never getting cast. Gadwick's not getting very usefully cast. Wilderness Reclamation doesn't do anything for me. Right? Like, Storm's Wrath is actively terrible most of the time. Expansion Explosion is very unlikely to actually get used. So, like, we're dealing with, we want to hit a bunch of cantrips? I think it just cares about hasting, honestly. Right, so, like, 2-2 two, two haste, I mean, it's fine, question mark, but I'm just profoundly unimpressed, generally, by this sort of thing. It yeah. only has one pip. Right. Right? Like, if it had a second pip, right. maybe that would start to make more sense to me, right. because you're trying to get the Ajax thing train rolling. But, yeah, would it, would it have been so terrible for this thing to say play that card? <laughs> yes, I believe it would have. <laughs> oh, if you could make land drops off of this, that would be bad. Uh, all right. I mean, what are you going to do with a land drop, though? Like, <laughs> land is overrated, is, is the philosophy behind these decks, right? So one thing I'd like to say, you know, the four Ember Cleaves, strongly behind it. Three right at the stage, it's a card I think is overrated. You know, it's been, people have been acting like, They'd play nine of them. They have been, like, sacrificing cards in order to cash them when they have other things to right, do. Right. I think they're wrong. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be playing three to four in your red decks. But just people are pushing this card way too much. I love to see. I only have three copies because that's not what my main game plan is about. This is just a thing that I will sometimes do. Right. Um, now, when you look at Seth Manfield's version of the deck, he is running 31 creatures. So I, I look at Seth Manfield's deck, and I want to say you're off by one card. One Ember Cleave? Yes. 
So, yeah, 31 creatures. She's got Steamkin, Scorch Spinner, Bone Crusher Giant, Fervent Champion, Rimrock Knight, Annex, Hardened of the Forge, Robber of the Rich, all four ofs, and then three Torbrand, Thrain of Redfell. Yeah, the other question is whether or not you can get away from only eight one-drops. Right. right? Seth is not going to have, doesn't have the random little extra something, something that a few of the other players have. So what happens when there's no one-drop? Like, how far behind are you? It's great to have an explicit twice in case anyone forgets it, but, you know, I did count, and the deck list is actually fine. Yeah. But you look at it, you know, it's, it's very much a, I have great things to do on turn two, I have great things to do on turn three, and if I hit four, you know, hit four or not, I still have good things to do on turn four. Turn one's a little worrisome, right? Especially for at the stages. You know, if I miss that one drop, it could be an issue. Right. Yeah. And so this is this is a the red deck is the deck Crokies has been playing a lot now, right? <laughs> yeah, he made some interesting changes to it, right? He cut all the torbends. Right. Out of his most recent list. And a few other cards he said, I cut the slow cards. Where yeah. slow cards are like Torben, Thrain of Red Fell, format kill you. <laughs> so that tells you what he thinks of the speed of And I think he things. has main deck Tibalts in his, right? Yes, I believe that is true. Yeah. All so but like, like, let's talk about the sideboards a bit as well, right? Like we've got these unchained berserkers all over the place because we want to make sure that against Azorius style cards, you know, we have a protection from white creature that right. can't be hit by various things. Interesting development, you know. Red cap melee out of the board, the Crowan War, you know, some interesting choices here. There's one Tibalt laying around, you know. All right, so that seems seems cool. Um, Seth has an extra land; he needs it. Right. Right. Twenty two. I. I think that's the minimum for the way he's configured his deck. Right. Yeah, see, so yeah, Seth is on 22 lands yeah. as opposed to 21. So now we have Minguchi. Um, so Minguchi looks like he is playing the same list as Seth. Yes. 31 creatures, 4 light at the stage, 3 Embercleave, 22 lands, and pretty much the same sideboard. So that deck is uh, identical. So I have all the same thoughts. You know, I'm a little worried it's a little bit too expensive. In terms of casting costs, right. otherwise I have a lot, a lot to like. You know, the third, the fourth Emberclay is missing for a reason, but still. So, and then we have Sebastian Pozzo. Sebastian Pozzo. And so he's on twenty-eight creatures, um, four light up the stage, four Embercleave, two Infuriates, twenty-two lands, and all four Embercleaves. Yeah, he's he does have all four Embercleaves. So he's four Fervent Champion, only two Torbrands, four Annex, four Steamkin. Four Rimrock, four Scorch Spitter, four Robber of the Rich, and two Grim Initiates. So that's clearly, uh, you know, we've talked about that idea of wanting more one drops. And that look, gets, him, gets look, him to ten. Look who didn't make the cut, by the way. Fee five fo fum. Oh, no Bone Crusher Giant. There's two in the board. Yeah. That's it. So, not only do we not want shock, because, you know, as I said, what is there to shock? There's nothing to shock around here. But there's also nothing to shock with Bone Crusher Giant, so why are we playing this pile? Yeah. Right? Why not just play better cards? We have a three drop that we really like that's replacing it, and I want to be lower to the ground. Yeah, and so it's a ten, ten one drops and the four Ember Cleaves. Yeah, and I am, you know, somewhat skeptical of the zero number. But I love not having four in order to have more one-drops as an idea. Right. Right? And then you get to play four light stages again. It makes more sense because you're over to the ground. Infuriate is a statement. It's just this is what matters to me. I want to <laughs> embercleave something, and then I want to give it plus three, plus two, by which I mean plus six, plus two. Right. And then I want to freaking kill you right, right. now. Yeah. This is a I want to win on turn four. I only have two torments, right? Like, same thing that Crokies is doing. It's the... I don't have this kind of time. I want to be casting Embercleave on turn four. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting card in Sebastian's sideboard, by the way, claim the firstborn. I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's an aggro thing to do. But if you're planning to Embercleave, it's free. I would like to steal your annex. I would, though. I really would. Yeah. I think in the Mono Red Mirrors, I plan, and I think we'll see it. I think that's going to be a, a very interesting card. And he, he's also on four red cap melee. All the four red cap melee. We're seeing three copies all, all, elsewhere, and we always see four. Yeah, everyone else has And it's watching Dragonfire, because Ajax has got to die. Right. And Axe, and I keep saying Ajax. Yeah, that's fine. 
It would be funnier if it was Ajax. Yeah, yeah. So I get on that Wizards, it's too late. But yeah. a year ago, Wizards get on that. But yeah. yes. Two, two Bone Crusher Giants, like you said. One Phoenix of Ash. Yeah, no Experimental Frenzy. Right, yeah. like in a lot of these lists, like just I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a backup plan. Right. My plan is my plan. My deck does thing, and that thing and is called does, kill you. And it does it again and again and again. No, it just does its thing, and then it like has leftovers if you kill them, but like it does its thing once. I, I, I kind of like Sebastian's deck. <laughs> I, I really. If I have to pick one of the rednecks, I'm picking Sebastian. Yeah. I think he's right that Bonecrusher Giant is just. You know, why do I care about killing people's brazen borrowers so much? Right. Right? Why do I want to spend two mana to kill your one or two drop out of your red deck? I mean, yeah, killing a steamkin's nice, but... Eh. 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 Red cap melee after board. Right. Eh. Yeah, he, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see turn four, uh... Embercleave from him quite often. I'm very curious what cards come out in the mirror. Something I just don't know. Looking at these lists, it's not obvious to me at all. Right. I, I like your initiate first strike in the leftover guy. It seems great for just these like slog, like just get creatures onto the spam. But I just don't know. Like you clearly want to bring in four red cap melees, probably a bunch of other removal spells and claims. <laughs> That's a lot of cards. Where do they come from? It's not like Infuriates guess, bad. I, but I guess the, infuri the Infuriates probably come out. I mean, maybe, but also like there. Are maybe, maybe well, we're, which comes out. We're kind of long. used to we're used to these like red mirrors where like you know Sam Black tells Mike Forrest to draw first because there's so much removal after board, but there isn't that much removal after board. People are gonna die. <laughs> so I mean, do you really want to trim on the Embercleave plan, right? Or do you just want to kill people? Right. If you both play cards for a few turns, you could just kill people on turn four, or like in the mirror or five. I don't know. I haven't tested it. Because, you know, let other people handle that. I, I'm, ex I'm excited to watch this this list. I'm curious. I, I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see it. And then there's just Sky Fires, right? Just Sky Fires coming up. Yeah, this is this is your uh, your baby. Was my baby. You got to let you gotta let your babies go, right? You got to <laughs> let other people take over, go from there. So we're seeing, you know, very much in the in the philosophy of the old Just Sky Fires lists. So, like, we look at the first two lists, because there's two copies of it, right? Marcio's deck. So, so Marcio and Javier work together, clearly, playing playing the same and there's only two, there's only two Fires decks, and the, they're just two copies of each one, I believe. Okay. Right? So the first one is, you know, we've got two Dream Trawlers. Like I said, it stretches the, the curve in an interesting way. I worry about it a little bit. Um, we cut Cavalier of Gales to make that happen. Uh, we still have four Bone Crusher Giants. So there's the debate of Bone Crusher Giant versus Brazen Borrower. Yep. And Bone Crusher Giant is obviously much better against the aggro decks, and Brazen Borrower is obviously much better against the control decks and the combo decks. Right. So you decide, pick your poison. Who do you care about? I'm inclined to believe Brazen Borrower in this type of field is the right choice simply because that's where you need the help. That's where you care the most. But both cards are incredibly good. You know, shoring up your thing... You know, the fourth clarion mm -hmm. isn't in the main in this space because you have four Brazen Borrowers, you can get away with it, mm -hmm. is dead a lot. Makes sense to me. A lot of card, various cards on the board. It looks like a wish side board, right? It looks like somebody found a lot of cards that were good and they took the, <laughs> took the Fate of Wishes out of their deck because they realized Fate of Wishes is bad, which it is. And they're like, ah, oh, I like all these cards, sure, whatever, let's just go with it. You know, and like just kept doing it. I know how to, you know, what am I going to cut? Like, come on. Um, well, the three three Legion War boss is something that is a legacy from yeah, but it's, it's for a reason, right? Yeah. Legacy for a reason. The one card, uh, so I was a big Shimmer of Possibility fan last time. I don't understand it here, right? I just feel like we've we've upgraded, right? As Levy's version did, right? Like, why is this not open to the sea, right? Like, I understand looking at four is a better way to find fires, but instant speed is a huge game. Looking at the next two later is a huge game. I have a very hard time believing Omen of the Sea is not just a better card. Right. So and there's, there's only one in, in, in this list. But there's yeah, no yeah. Omen. It's not a huge mistake, right, certainly. Aether Gust is also interesting. I think you can get away with Aether Gust in the main. Right? I mean, there are a bunch oh, of... Oh, wow. I just I, I wasn't that low on my, my screen. There are Azorius lists out there. This will be dead. Right. Right? This yeah. is not a safe play. But, but in those Azorius matchups, I mean... So, so it's really interesting to me, right, about the Fires decks is four Teferi Time Raveler. Yep. And, you know, against, what, 44% of the field 
44% uh, of the field is going to be playing Teferi against those Team Erect decks. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a big problem. If they're not planning to, they don't have a good plan to deal with it, and they have plans, but if those plans aren't good enough, and it's always been the nemesis of this deck, right? Everyone's always loved the second theory, and in practice people play a fairy, and then you cry. So it might be a really bad spot to be one of those four players, given what's out there. Or maybe they know something we don't. I don't know. I, I'm just saying, I feel like Fires is really well positioned for this field. Well, you've got to love playing against Red. You've got to love playing against Red, and you've got to love playing against Timorak. You've got to like it. I always liked it. You know, exact configurations matter. It was never a buy or anything like that. But it's certainly a good place to be. You know, the Aether Gusts certainly help as well. You have your Mistral Dispute. It's a pretty good spot to be in. I like where we're at. You know, more Ken Riffs gives you that much more explosiveness, which is what you care about in the situation. Um, but notice the, you know, the Bone Crusher Giants and the Aether Gusts, right? This is, this, is a, this is a pair of people who didn't respect Azorius with their card choices, is the way I look at it. Like, they didn't expect this much Azorius. Right. They expected the rest of the field. They're ready for the rest of the field. They didn't... They're, they're prepared for game one against Azorius to be rough, but they have seven cards to bring in that they're really happy with, right? Four Mystical Disputes and three Legion War Boss. Right. And that's not a bad first seven to take out all these bad cards and bring in. <laughs> right? Whereas there's no Legion War Boss on the sideboard of Levy's deck. All right. So, yeah, let's look, let's look at Levy's version. And so Levy and Nassif uh, work together? It looks like. It would be very strange if they did not. I mean, <laughs> it, it, sometimes someone just watches someone else stream these days, right? It's very possible that they didn't work together. Yeah. But I think they did. Yeah. So Cavalier of Gales is gone. Right? It's the first wow, thing you notice. Completely just completely gone. Completely gone. And now we have four Bonecrusher Giants, but three Brazen Borrowers as well. So they are going in on, this is not, you know, we are not going to rely on fires. We are going to play the good stuff, just like Adventure Creature deck that sometimes does the fires thing and then has absurd Kenriffs and Cavaliers. But there's only seven of those big guys, right? There's no Dream Trawler. Oh, yeah, no Dream Trawler either. It's oh. very, very dedicated to the thing it wants to do. I am deeply skeptical that you can go this low with the fires deck and have what it takes to beat... Like, the decks that want to go up. I, I certainly like the other side of the fire's mirror, right? Like, I think I, I really want to be Marcio or Javier playing against Levy or Nassif here. I think so. I mean, there's obvious advantages. You know, if you have Brazen Borrower bouncing, almost anything often counts as an action. Right. Right, which is a, a good thing. You have some early game other things to do, but, like, you have... You are on the Legion War Boss back foot. Like they don't, they don't have to keep Bonecrusher Giant in against you. They can just take it out, right? Unless they're fearing robber of the rich. <laughs> Let's talk about that, right? The other big change, like I like Omen of the Sea over Shimmer, but otherwise I love the other kind of lists. And the other big change is, well, Legion War Boss is old and busted. You know what's the new hotness? Robber of the rich. <laughs> Four robber of the rich in the sideboard. Four robber. Of the rich. Two Chandra's Pyro Helix over on only one Scorching Dragonfire for the supplemental removal to go for the four definite Clarions. You know, right. even though, just like Storm's Wrath, you'd think that worrying about Anax would be a prime consideration, especially with all the other cards. But but, but to deal with Anax, you have Devout Decree. Yep. Uh, you have Elspeth Conquer Conquer's Death. No, you're not even bringing that in. It's too much mana. Okay, well. Yeah. yeah I think. I don't think you are. Yeah, I don't think so. But but there's there's a handful of, of you've got ways you got no no only thing I got ways but like sort of the thing the only thing I'd be worried about right in an important sense right when you're playing that matchup right, right. Like that matchup is otherwise very very good yeah nothing in their board matters you know, you just like but the question to me is what is Robber of the Rich doing here <laughs> this deck is not full of cheap stuff <laughs> and this deck is not in the habit of trying to race but, you and get haste and do a bunch of damage but I, but I guess maybe this version just has a lower to the ground you know you get to like bone crush a giant something you get to brazen borrow something you get to get these cards out of your hand uh, you can try I guess like maybe the brazen borrow to give you a card back in your hand now the robber of the rich triggers maybe yeah but I just I don't see this one at all I'm going to be honest. Like The cards you get from a lot of decks just don't play into your strategies in any meaningful way so often. Right. The timing's off when they do. I, I mean, I, again, it's, it is 
it is very like evidently there in their sideboard, right? Like it clearly they were like this is here. We're playing four copies of it, and it is for something very specific. I am never going to tell Nassif and Levy right. that card you put four copies of that I think is that, that I've never seen this list before. There's no good reason for I mean, it. I mean, maybe it's. Just, I want to see it. Maybe maybe it just gives them enough action against the red decks. There's no way yeah, that's the best. You know, against the red deck, there's no way this is the right card, right? Okay. It's, it yeah. might be you just want another load of the car on card. You're willing to bring it in, like like putting in. A lot of cards against red often make sense just because you have such a big long-term advantage that you just desperately want to like stabilize the board a little bit, right? Like like giant killer is like I'm a one-two, and I kill Annex, so maybe I bring it in, given it's in the board. Uh, I'm not mean, so, so according to yeah. Reed in this article, he's saying that the robber of the rich is against Team Iraq and control. I mean, I assume it is. Yeah. But I am so much less excited than I would be by a Legion War boss. Right to me, like a Legion War boss is threatening to just take over the entire game immediately under all circumstances. Whereas Robert the Rich, it's nearly a portion of the time, he's just going to attack for two. I realize there's nothing better in life than attacking for two, but <laughs> you're some, in a more of a hurry. Some just stood up straight. He's like, "Yes, attack for two. Yes, we all agree on this, right? Yeah. There's no argument. But let's get to the last deck and wrap this up. So okay. we've got so this is Azorius Control, uh, and there's two different versions of it in this field. One is being played by Paulo Vitor Damodarosa and uh, Andre Strasky. It's the Grand Prix Richmond finalist control. Yep. Uh, right? They're both playing basically, yeah, they're, like, there may be a card or two off. I don't think so, though. Uh, so one Dream Trawler, one Archon of Sun's Grace. That's uh, very so exciting. This is an Archon of Sun's Grace deck in a deceptively large degree. Right? We've got... Two in the board to go with the one in the main. Ooh. Look at the enchantment suite. Right? You've got not, not just the three enchantments, uh, Elspeth Conqueror's Death, the full four women of the seas, three Birth of Miletus. Wow. Right? Two Banishing Lights. So we're set up to actually activate this Archon quite a bit. That's our plan. We only have one Dream Trawler. We do not have access to another one. Oh, wow. We only have the one. So we are potentially going to have a non-trivial time winning games. Sure. I mean, I, I assume Castle Three Castle Ardenvale is also there to help you uh, end some games where where you're both just down to your last resources. I'm not saying it's actually that big deal, but look, thirst for meaning, right? Because the theory is we have enough enchantments now, we can just draw three cards. That's really interesting to me. There's nine counter spells in the deck, counting Mystical Dispute. That's a pretty good solid start, you know. But again, we don't add very much to that. Right? We only have three in the board to add to that, you know. We have the third Narset. Um, we have Cellulean Drake in the board, which is going to make certain people regret not having all the Bone Crusher Giants available, perhaps. <laughs> but also might just get over my Embercleaves, right? It's not clear that this does that much in that situation, right. question mark. So it's, it's an interesting situation. As always, whenever I see someone running less than the four rafts, right. and they're 75... I want to slap them. I mean, I just, let's be honest. I want to, I mean, it's Apollo, but I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Just find another slot. Like, the fourth shot of this guy. Yeah. Right? So, like, what are we doing? Then we can talk about the fifth raft. We can talk about the sixth raft. And reasonable people can disagree. But the fourth raft? You know, a time white may or may not deserve to be in here. And I get that. Sure. But, but you, come you, on. you don't want, you don't want, you want at least. Four between main and side. Right, time wipe and planar cleansing. It's worth noting planar cleansing is not here. It's a bunch of enchantments, so it makes sense. But planar cleansing was always, you know, the nightmare reason why fires against Azorius was so bad. Was you could do your thing and just lose. Right. Right, and now you do your thing and then you do your thing. Right, like there's still a bunch of counter spells. There's still a lot of ways to fight it. But if you do do your thing, it's going to be tough. And Shot of the Sky is going to do a much. Is going to do a pretty bad time up impression in my situation. It's fine, but like it's going to do significantly worse. So we'll see what can happen. Um, but it's just very traditional, straight control for the most part. Commence the end game in the board to, to, to win games when you have to. Now compare that to Tharul Severin's uh, version of the blue-white control deck. Four Shadow of the Sky and four Dream Trawler, four Teferi and four Narset. Four Elspeth Conquers Death, four Birth of Miletus, four Omen of the Sea. 
and then uh, seven counter spells. So always that question of like, is this the person who knows exactly what they want, or a person who just yeah, you know, but they deck very quickly. <laughs> and I think it's the person who knows what they want. I had very strongly, especially look at the look at the sideboard. There's some spice, like the Wanderer. Wow, the Wanderer. There's an emergency powers in the sideboard. That I'm not sure what that's about, but I like it. I like it just for funsies, for myself. <laughs> I like it for me. I don't know what it's for. Heliod's Intervention? Wow. Yeah, like a lot of cards, and I'm like, I'm not sure where I'm bringing this in. Spectral Sailor is sweet. Yeah. Like, that seems like a kind of a neglected thing for these decks to do. But this is very simple. Four Narsets, I'm just going to play my Planeswalkers, get to my Dream Trawlers, win the, you know, keep myself alive to play Dream Trawler and win the game. It does seem like it's very reliant on resolving a six drop with this list. Like, you're going to have to just hope this works. And it's going to be tough to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, but there's an Archon on the sideboard here, too. You know. <laughs> I, I li I'm really like, I like this. He's like, I like Dream Like, can we split the difference here? Right, I sort of, I, I want to be in between these two lists. Right. I like a lot of the things that are in both of these approaches. It's possible that you need to do the Archon of Sun's Grace thing you need to be all, you know, mostly in on it, and therefore, like, it forces your hand in a lot of other places, and that's why they look so different. But, yeah, I kind of want to, you know, I kind of want to be all in. Um, is the fair argument. Um, yeah, so I think if I had to pick a side, I'd probably trust um, Paolo and Strasky. Probably just because, like, historically speaking, Paolo and Strasky picking the right build is yes. a very, very safe bet. You know, not that these people are slouches, right? I'm not here to, to knock Severin, right? Like, but there's two copies. They tested together. They're two amazing people who know exactly how to tune things. I trust it. But I think Severin has some good ideas, and I do like for I do like these some dream trawlers. <laughs> respect, respect, respect. So I guess just briefly we want to talk about uh, Piotr's deck list. Sees so John Sacrifice. A yeah. um, couple of, uh, you know, God Eternal Bantu in here. Uh, yeah, Liliana Dreadhorde General. And then four copies of Agonizing Remorse are, are sort of the new... The, the big spice, the new yeah. hotness. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's just mainly, clearly, you know, Masker Girl is pretty sweet. Um, it beats a, it beats Anax. Right. Right? So... It mops up. It mops up very well. I... And we, we and we've seen what Peter can do with Corvold. We've seen him just we, win. Yes, from absolutely. Out of nowhere with this deck. Look, this deck is very powerful. This deck is very solid. You know, if I was going to be playing it, I would have made a few different card choices, but I'd probably be wrong. I know Peter didn't sound too happy on Twitter today about it. I mean, this is not the foil he wanted. He, that he, seems obvious. He he called. He he said God Eternal Monty was kind of loose. I mean, it looks loose. I don't know what it's for, right? It's not a new card. If it was he could new, have been kidding too, but <laughs> look, if it's a new if it was a new card, I would have said, okay, sure, right. I trust you. But it's sort of just, I know what Corvald is doing at five. I know what Masker Girl is doing at five. I did not know what God Eternal Bantu is doing here. Yeah. Right. I, I would kind of wish it was just one of those two cards. Right. Probably Masker Girl for me. Only one murderous rider, you know, is not a place I would be comfortable. Sure. Based on my previous experiences, not based on what exactly is out there this yeah. this time. Decided Thrashing Brontodon was a more important. Uh, yeah, tool I, to have it that looks wrong well. here, doesn't it? Like looking at the looking at the fields, like yeah. even with the fires decks, like these fire decks do not care that much. It's you know they can live with that threat. Looking at the board, the board is almost like a I don't know what I want kind of board. I mean, it's just sort of all over the place with traditional cards that are good and I'll figure something out, which is fine. The deck is, like, doing its thing. But I would have liked to see, you know, dedicated plans more so than this for the decks that are likely to show up, and it just doesn't feel like he has them. Yeah, Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger is really the... and Agonizing Remorse are the two new cards that really make their way in here. I have no problem with those cards. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm I'm sad that everyone continues to sleep on Blue Kronos. Like, to me, like, they're di obviously different matchups where you want Croxa versus Blue Kronos in that slot. But, you know, it's... Um, if you're not going to be able to run Uro, right? Like, your your graveyard is not doing anything unless it is a cauldron familiar. <laughs> and, you know, you have God of Turtle Bonds, you can get that thing filled sometimes. And so I would like to see a Blue Kronos. Maybe I'm wrong. 
But yeah. you mean that slot. Like, just a 6-6 six, six is a big game to me. And right. a 12-12 is a very big game. Right. Like, I just... It's a way to just end the game with something to dig for where you know that, like, you can just turn things around. I like it a lot. But again, I'm not saying this from a place of testing. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, got too distracted by Pioneer. Po possibly. Didn't put in the time. It's possible. But it's a great player. I, the deck I is strong. I can't imagine he didn't put in the time for the biggest event of the year. I can't imagine it either, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, clearly, I, I see why Piotr's not happy, right? Like, yeah. the things he wants to feast on aren't there. The answers to the cards that he wants, the kinds of the things he's worried about also don't seem to be here. Right? Like, if you want a better amount of red metal, I'm sure you can get one. But, like, it doesn't look like the work's been done, right? Like, two love struck beasts out of the board and two disfigure, and that's kind of it. Oh, yeah. you know, he's still stuck on two Massacre Girls only against these Anaxes, right? Like the motto, like the um, the Azorius matchup, like we've got two Duresses, maybe a Croxa. It's just not much to work with. Like you're kind of just stuck doing your thing. But you're not facing any point of cleansings. Okay. That's the good news, right? Again, that card is really important, or used to be, and now it's gone. Right. Um, pick, pick a winner for me. Let's pick a winner. Um, Paula? You're picking Paula with Azorius Control? I think so. I think I like I like a lot of what I see out of the list. I think I, I think it's a reasonable place to be given what else is out there. I think he knows what he's up to. I mean, so there's a lot of other people, but like if I had to pick one. I'm calling repeat world champion Seth Manfield. Very possible. Yeah. It's small world. Yeah, I, I do not feel like Team Rack is going to do very well in this field. And that's one of the reasons I'm picking Paolo, in the sense yeah. that, like, I think Red has a very good matchup against Tamurak. Yeah. But I think Tamurak's not making it to the Sunday stage. Sure. And you think the and you think the Azorius decks have a very good matchup against the Red decks? I think if they have, if they don't have a good matchup against the Red decks, they they knew this was <laughs> they clearly knew this was coming. They had one, you know, they didn't have one job, but they they had a. Sorry, I'm, I'm assuming they're at least in a good spot. No, sorry, great spot. All right, well, there you have it. That's uh, our Top 8 Magic preview for the World Championship, taking a look at the decks, mine and Zvi's picks for who we think is going to win. Feel free to tell us who you think is going to win, and uh, we'll all be uh, watching this weekend. And uh, one more thing we should mention is uh, we're going to be doing some casting. Yeah. Uh, so on Sunday, on my channel, it's me, Moshowitz, uh, the two of us will be starting around, you know, 2, 3 o'clock Eastern. You know, maybe we'll miss a little bit of the first game or two, but we'll be right there. And we are going to commentate on our parallel commentating track uh, for the top eight. Sweet. So, yeah. All right. So uh, we'll see you then. Let's, let's watch some uh, world championship competitors. Thanks for listening. This has been Brian David Marshall and Zvi Moshowitz.